of the Marketing Your Podcast Show. We are here with Arielle Nissenblatt. She is the creator of the Earbuds Podcast Collective newsletter and podcast. So we're going to talk about podcasting and newsletters. And also her full-time job is at... Um, well, maybe you can explain what your full-time job is, Ariel, because I don't want—I don't want to get it wrong. Yes, happy to. I'm the community manager at Squadcast.fm, which is a remote recording software that helps podcasters and content creators record studio-quality video and audio. I love it. Welcome, and thanks so much for hanging out today. So the reason that I wanted to have Ariel, and am I saying it correctly? It's Ariel. It's Ariel, but it's very Ari- much a uh, New York Ariel. accent. So if you can't say it, I understand. <laughs> Ariel. You have quite a unique position in the industry, and I don't know if you feel it, but I, you're, you're someone who I've followed for a little while as someone who is on the, the pulse of a lot of things in the industry. And so uh, I'm excited to have the chat today to talk about newsletters and what you're doing with that and how that's becoming a really cool way for people to get exposure and obviously what it's done for your brand. And then also what you guys are doing at, at Squadcast. Yes, I keep, I don't want to get it wrong. But lots yes, of Squadcast. different things, yep. There's lots of them and... Uh, I know how bad it can be to get it wrong. So anyways, <laughs> let's just jump right into it because I stumbled onto, I initially found you when I was looking for podcast newsletters because I was doing some research on, you know, doing some thinking on ways to grow a show and podcast newsletters kept popping up on my radar. And there's lots of, I don't want to say there's lots of them, but there's a variety of them out there. And the interesting thing was that as I subscribed to most of them, most of them were actually not still active mm. and they were, you know, had gone by the wayside. Yep. And yours was one of them that when I subscribed to it, I got a fresh one and I looked, you know, I kind of followed all the links and everything worked and stuff like that. And so it seems like something that is a journey, I would imagine for you. And also something that you've been consistent with and you seem to outlast. I found like some listicle of the top newsletter, podcast newsletters that you should follow. And most of them were done except yours. So With that being said, I'd love for you to take us on kind of the journey of how you got to here and kind of the journey of the Earbuds Podcast Collective. Yeah, let's do it. So I have been running Earbuds Podcast Collective for four and a half years. February 13th, 2017 is the day that I sent out the first ever Earbuds newsletter to 50 people. I sent it to them on Gmail. It was ugly. It was not cute. I then for the next few issues sent it out and forgot to BCC people. It was a whole mess. So over time, I have learned how to use MailChimp. And now I'm pretty good at email service marketing and email service providers and all that. But when it started back in 2017, I started it to scratch my own itch. I wanted to listen to more podcasts. I had just moved to Los Angeles and I was stuck in traffic all the time. And I'd been listening to podcasts for about two years, but I was not really thinking about them in any critical way. I was really just thinking wow, I am constantly being exposed to new stories. I'm meeting new people. But I wasn't thinking, what's the larger podcast scene? What's the larger, you know, what does this mean (laughs) for entertainment and for technology and for the future of audio? I was not thinking about that until I started this newsletter. And the way it works, the way the newsletter works is that every Sunday, I send an email that contains a theme and five podcast episodes on that theme. And each week is curated by a different person and anyone can curate a list. And people ask me, how do you choose who curates? And I say, you choose if you curate. (laughs) So really anyone can curate a list. You just go to earbudspodcastcollective.org, navigate over to the curation submission page, and 
if you are an expert in beluga whales, maybe you want to curate a list for me on beluga whales. Great. You're, you're going to go and find five podcast episodes on something related to beluga whales. Maybe it's directly, maybe it's marine life in general, whatever it is. And then you can include one of your own podcasts. And um, initially, the people who were curating lists for me were just people who loved podcasts. And then over time, I started meeting podcasters in Los Angeles when I was there and going to podcast networking events and talking about my newsletter. And I had grand ideas for it. Some of them have come to fruition. Others have gone by the wayside either because they were bad ideas or because I've tried them, they didn't work or tried them, they worked and I got out what of it, what I needed out of it. Um, and so the newsletter has taken a whole bunch of iterations throughout the five years that it's been in existence. But throughout, it has continued to send a weekly email. I have never missed a Sunday night. I'm really, really, really big on consistency when it comes to anything in the podcast space, but especially in content production in general, people expect something of you, you should give it to them. And I think I, I'm just a, a huge fan of podcasts and running this newsletter has been great for me because I stay on top of what's being produced and who is up and coming as a producer and what stories are being podcasted and I can start to identify trends and all that. So it's been really great. And in October 2019, I started a podcast that accompanies the newsletter. It goes out on Sunday night as well. And that one is called Feedback with Earbuds. And it is essentially an audio version of the newsletter plus an interview with somebody in the podcast space. So that has taken a lot of different forms as well over the two years that it's been in existence. And that all kind of all goes back to a principle in marketing that I've discovered I really like, which is just guess and check you know, kind of experimenting with what works, what doesn't work, what could work for one month might not work the next month. So I've tried all sorts of interview techniques. I've tried putting the interview up front and the podcast recommendations at the back and vice versa. Um, so yeah, I've really learned a lot about the podcast space and about content production since starting this five years ago. Yeah. I was listening to, I think his name is Tom Webster. Mm -hmm. Do you know Tom from Edison? And his talk from yep. Podcast Movement, he was talking about how recommendations is still the number one way that people get their, you know, find their podcast. And what's interesting about newsletters and the one that you created is this recommender tool. And what I love about the newsletter is that sometimes the shows are like super niche <laughs> and like super, you wouldn't even think that there would be podcasts on these things or on these topics, but people are into them and I think it says, well, I don't know. What does that what does that say to you about the nicheness, if you will, of the shows that are out there and the shows that kind of come through yeah. the newsletter? I think that it's great. I think there are books on every single I say niche, you say niche. I'm gonna just say what comes out of my mouth. Um, there are books on everything. People like to say, oh, there's so many podcasts. There are so many books. Like we never, we never stop saying when are like, when are people going to stop writing books? So let's stop that with podcasts as well. Huh? What a beautiful, <laughs> what a beautiful perspective that I've never encountered that I'm going to. Yeah. So thank you for that. Cause that, that's a really Hell good yeah. point. So get as niche as you that's want, because th there are books on tons of niche topics and there are people who are going to read it. People are into everything. There's a subculture for everything. One of my coworkers, Alex is a reefer. And I don't mean the marijuana smoker explicitly. I mean that he is like really good at growing cor coral reefs in his garage. And like, he's part of this whole community. He's a coral influencer. That's amazing. He's going to start a podcast. He doesn't know what to call it yet, but it's going to be on reefing. And that's awesome. And I'm not going to listen to it per se. Maybe I will because I'm his friend, but there are people, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are into reefing and he's going to be able to get some amazing advertisers and sponsors and partners because there are products that want to reach his audience. And I think that's beautiful. 
But to go back to newsletters, I think what has worked for me so well is my drive for consistency. I have encountered competitors over the years for this newsletter who, you know, at times some have been more directly competitive than others. One newsletter emerged, I want to say four years ago, that was also sending, that was having one curator pick five podcast episodes per week. It was not so much on a theme. It was on like what they were listening to that week. And I was like, oh no, it's over for me. I'm done with. And then it stopped three months later. And I was like, you know, as long as you keep consistent and you are in it for the right reasons, you will succeed. You know, if you're doing it because you really want to do it and people are finding value in it, that's great. So the next question, you can take one of two ways. I'd love either a story or an example, and maybe it's you and how you can kind of share how it's benefited of, of a show that's really seen some benefit from getting exposure on a newsletter or you saw a particular sure. show that worked really well. Or, you know, if there's not something there, what's the value? Is there any value out there for a podcaster to create their own newsletter? Oh, yeah. Those are two different questions, and I want to hit both of them for sure. Let's do it. So first, I want to go back to Tom Webster. So Tom Webster talked about how people mostly still get recommendations from word of mouth, right? And through podcast recommendations, and newsletters are a big part of that. And I talk about this all the time. It is because when you're receiving a podcast newsletter, you're primed to want to listen, as opposed to when you're scrolling through Twitter and somebody hits you with their link that you did not ask for, you're not going to listen to that podcast. There's a time and a place for self-promotion. When people are asking for podcast recommendations on a specific topic, amazing. If I go out and I post, I am looking for a podcast on the year that Lincoln was shot. What led up to it? Does anybody have any information on that specifically? Great. I would love history recommendations. I would love contextual history surrounding that year of American history. But I don't want people to randomly throw links at me about history in general. I ask for something specific. And I think there's this tendency to just be like, let me get my podcast out there in any way possible because you never know if somebody's going to want to listen to it. I can guarantee you not only am I not going to want to listen to it, it also pisses me off that you didn't listen and that you like disrespected my internet space. So anyway, when you're advertising on a podcast recommendation newsletter or a podcast newsletter, and I'll talk about the difference between the two, or you've been chosen to be included in a newsletter like that, you are already where people want to go to receive podcast recommendations. They are primed to then to look with a discerning eye and say, I'm interested in this, 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 and this. I'm going to type some of those into my podcast app of choice. I'm going to save some of them for later. Maybe I'll put it into a notes app. Maybe there should be a better way to do this. But I am ready to listen because I have opted into receiving this newsletter. So you want to be where people are primed to be listening. So it's podcast recommendation newsletters and in-app placement. Yeah. But let me get to your two questions now. Sorry. I'm a big believer in in-app placement. So we'll come back to that. But let's talk about the second one and creating, you know, creating your own newsletter. Did I I answer your first question? Because I know I went back to Tom Webster. I know. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yes. I think every, not every, I think if you are a podcaster who has the time and whose content lends itself to other formats, you should take advantage of those other formats. However, your format, your that content needs to be able to stand on its own. So say you're a podcast about beluga whales, is the example I always use. And you have a podcast, that's great. You're also a professor, maybe, about beluga whales or about marine biology in general, ocean conservation, all those keywords. You know a lot. And you want people to come to your website because you have a whole list of resources and information on beluga whales. Maybe you also get advertisers on your website. You also get advertisers on your podcast. You do the whole thing. So you really want people to, you know, be aware of you as a leader in the beluga whale space. That is awesome. If you have a newsletter that accompanies your podcast as a beluga whale enthusiast, your newsletter needs to be able to stand on its own. So it shouldn't just be 
Hi, everybody. New episode this week. Click to listen. Because that's not enough. That's not enough for me to want to subscribe to your newsletter. I already get so many different newsletters. I don't need one that's just reminding me to listen to your podcast. If I'm also obsessed with beluga whales or I'm obsessed with the creator who talks about beluga whales, I want to know what else is going on in the world of beluga whales. I want to have a a highlight this week in beluga whale world. Here were some spottings. Here's a cool story. Here is X, Y, and Z. Like, Just give me more information that either I will hear on your podcast or that I won't. And here you're supplementing and giving me more. Same with Instagram. Your Instagram should not just be new episode out now. It should be beautiful drawings from your listeners who have gone and studied beluga whales as well. And maybe they've sent in some fan art. It should be, here's a news story and I screenshot it and here's my analysis of it. Same with Twitter. Twitter should not just be new episode out now, link, that's it. It should be engaging with other people who talk about marine conservation and marine biology. It should be talking to other people in similar topics, maybe other animals, other animal-related podcasts, but most importantly, non-podcasts. Interacting with people who are not just podcasters, because those people don't necessarily have time to listen to your show. They're already creating their own. So you want to be interacting with the people who are most likely to convert to become listeners. Yeah, this is a fire hydrant of great content and value. And um, I think it's really actionable. So what do we what did we want to circle back to? Yes. I think that was um, oh in app placement. I also said I would talk about the difference between a podcast newsletter and a podcast recommendation newsletter. It's pretty quick. It's just, um, you know, I would call James Cridlin's pod news a podcast newsletter. Sometimes it has recommendations, whereas find that pod is specifically a podcast recommendation newsletter. I think every podcaster should be subscribed to all of the active podcast newsletters and podcast recommendation newsletters, not just because I want to support people who are creating these newsletters, but also because you should be aware of other podcasts that might pop up in your niche, not because you need to compete with them but because you need to be aware of what they're doing. Maybe you like it, maybe you hate it, maybe you want to collaborate with them, but your podcast does not exist in a vacuum and you need to be aware of other podcasts that are going on. And most importantly, if the opportunity presents itself for you to pitch yourself, you want to know what the creator of that newsletter wants to hear or how they like to receive pitches. Yeah, I've gained so much from subscribing to podcast newsletters. And what you talk about, you made a good point about reaching out to potential listeners, not necessarily other creators. I think that's a really good point too. Um, but the the information that is out there on some of these newsletters to stay into, um, just stay in tune and in touch with what's going on, both with the news and the tech and all that stuff. But then what you also mentioned in, in new shows that are coming out or, or shows that have been around that you haven't may not be aware of, I think is a, there's a vast world and a vast landscape for sure. Yeah, there's so much that can help creators beyond just like, here are the top headlines. But thinking about even something like Podcorn has revealed a new way of applying to jobs within their network. You want to know about that. Podcorn is a marketplace that matches podcasters with brands, and you can apply to have sponsors on your show through Podcorn, P-O-D-C-O-R-N. And If they change something up in their pitch process, you should know about that. And that's the type of stuff that you'll get in these podcast newsletters. Yeah. And if someone for podcast recommendation newsletters, right, which are we mentioned are a little bit separate, what's the process for getting on one of those? Is it is because yours is unique in the sense that you you can curate. Anyone is welcome to. Yeah. A list. That's not the case for all of them. So maybe you can talk a little bit about what some of the different podcast recommendation newsletters look like and and how someone might go about utilizing and leveraging those to grow their show. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is definitely unique because it is community driven. Earbuds is, it only exists because people curate lists for me. If I wanted to, if I ran out of people to curate a list, I could 
curate for the rest of my life. I listen to enough podcasts to be able to do that. But that's not the fun of it. The fun of it is hearing from people all around the world about what their favorite podcasts are. Other podcast newsletters are different, but all of them either have direct pathways to apply to be featured or... You can pitch yourself to anything as long as the pitch is right. And I tweeted last week that any pitch ever for anything, whether it's podcast related or not, has to strike the right balance between the ask and the give. So you do not want to just say, hey, feature me or hey, I need help, but offering something in return. And it doesn't have to be a quid pro quo per se, but there should definitely be an air of I am not just doing this because I want to gain I'm doing this because I am willing to also be an active partner in this. So let's talk about a few that come to my mind. Find That Pod is a newsletter. I think it's findthatpod.com. Five podcast episodes every Friday. And it is curated by the newsletter writer himself. And mostly it's up and coming podcasts, things that have just released. And he gets those because all of us podcast newsletter writers receive hundreds of pitches every week from new podcasts that are coming out. And I'm sure... Everybody goes through them to a certain extent. You ignore some, some are attractive to you, some are not. But also find that pod tweets every week saying, hey, what podcast should I be aware of? Feel free to share. And they do not say don't pitch your own podcast. So a lot of people will pitch their own podcast and some of those get chosen every once in a while. So that is something you can do. That's an official application line essentially. But at the same time, you could always pitch yourself. You say, hey, I know that you've covered podcasts on these topics in the past. Mine is on that topic. Would you consider covering mine? Great. Um, Podcast the newsletter, which is Lauren Passell's newsletter, is filled with tons of recommendations every week. And there are multiple ways to pitch yourself to Lauren. And Lauren is one of those people who is out there on Twitter telling you how she'd like to be pitched. And all it takes is for you to follow her, follow her for a week or so, know what she likes, subscribe to her newsletter, see what other things she's covered in the past, and then add to that discourse. Lauren is pretty obvious about the fact that if you read her newsletter and tell her that you read her newsletter and that you enjoyed a recommendation that she put out into the world, and then you say, I have a podcast, by the way, would you consider listening to it? She says she will very much consider listening to it. So there are a lot of people like this who just human decency goes a long way, just letting people know that you appreciate their work and therefore will you give a chance and appreciate my work? Awesome. Um, Pod News, which is the daily podcast newsletter from James Cridland, is mostly news, but there is a section for podcasts every day. And James says that if you have a new season coming out, a new podcast being released, you can send a press release to him and it might get included in that roundup. Uh, It's not going to be every time you have a new episode coming out, but if you have a new show and it's making some sort of headline or it's different in some way, James says, pitch it to him. There is an official place on his website that you can send press releases. So that's another way. All of these podcast newsletters and podcast recommendation newsletters either have ways for you to pitch them directly or indirectly. And it is a matter of being aware of them, following them on Twitter, following them all over, but just knowing what they want and then fulfilling that need. Yeah, that was so, so valuable. I appreciate that. I'm like trying to take mental notes here and like, (laughs) which I'm going to go back and listen to this episode because I think that those are really actionable and uh, someone that something that everyone can do. Um, Ariel, is there anything else, you know, one thing that I, uh, really appreciate about you and a lot of people in, in the industry is your willingness to kind of stay, you don't have to stay on the cutting edge or on the, you know, you don't have to necessarily be knowing what's going on, but I think a lot of people in the industry feel like it's a, um, it's their duty and I'm, or like, you know, something that they should do. And I get that sense from you as well. Um, so 
another two-parter here. The first part is like, what what are you excited about? And like, what are you looking forward to when it comes to the podcasting industry? And then is there anything that you hope podcasters should do or will do, right? I think like a lot of people feel there's this is like a, a big turning point for, for the industry and it could go super commercial or, you know, we could fight the man and stay independent or, you know, there's all these kinds of, you know, possibilities. So is there anything that you hope a podcasters do you know when it comes to the larger landscape moving forward yes <laughs> um i am sad that heavyweight for example is moving over to be a spotify exclusive so that kind of touches on your you know fight the man mentality um i am not a big spotify user it's still free which is important uh, but I am a little bit weary of and worried about what will happen when all of these shows continue to be acquired by larger companies. I think uh, my prediction is that over time, people will start paying for content. Things will remain free and that's great. But I think people will become more attuned to paying for content. We pay for almost all other content and we do it on a subscription fee and we pay for tons of other content. We pay for Hulu and Netflix and this and that. So I think it is not too far of a stretch to say that sometime in the future, we will also be paying for podcasts. And I think the reason I bring this up is the other week, I went on an incredible like five hour walk. I listened to so many podcasts. My mind was blown 15 times by all the things I was learning. And I thought, how did I get all of that for free? And then I thought, yeah, I mean, eventually like I would pay for that. It is that good. It's awesome that it's free and I'm really grateful for it. And I think I tweeted about that, how grateful I am that we're in this day and age where so much content is available for free, ear content. But yeah, I I, I think people will start getting more and more comfortable with paying. I just hope that it's affordable. I hope it stays affordable. What can podcasters do? I think podcasters can continue to be independent and podcast listeners can continue to support podcasters while they stay independent, either through Patreon or through Supercast or through premium feeds of other sorts. Um, yeah, I think... There is a lot to be excited for in this space. I think I would love to see women and people of color and other marginalized groups continuing to stake a claim in this space. I think we're still at an early stage here where podcasters who where creators who were traditionally marginalized in other media outlets can actually have a big voice here. And I think um, because we're still in podcasting's relative infancy, I kind of hate that phrase, we have the ability to not do and not make all the mistakes that previous media has made. So I think we just need to keep calling things out as we see it and making sure that we do not repeat the mistakes of our past media mates. Yeah. You hope that the opportunity for an independent creator never goes away, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's really what, what you hope is that that gatekeeper doesn't come back. I think that was such a big part of it. Yeah. I think the difference is like, I personally, and I, I would venture to say most average media consumers are not aware of too many indie filmmakers who produce things in public enough spaces that you could just consume them on an open ecosystem. I don't know about filmmakers that do that. I guess YouTube to a certain extent, but I'm not really aware of those creators. Whereas I think podcasters, you know, you can you can listen to such high quality, independently produced content. And if it's really good, it will make its way up the charts. It might be harder and harder nowadays for that show to, you know, go from somebody's being made in somebody's basement to rivaling Joe Rogan up at the top of the charts, although he can't be there anymore because of Spotify. But I think we are still at a stage where if your content is really good, you will get recognition. And we just need to 
continue recognizing people when they create great things. And that's why I constantly tweet that if you enjoyed somebody's podcast, don't just leave them a review, literally message them or put it out publicly that you liked what they did because you might think, oh, their podcast is so good. They hear it all the time. What if they don't? So just let them know. (laughs) Well, what's interesting is one of our clients that we work with, um, one of the sole reasons she keeps us on is because of the feedback that we're able to drive through some of our our kind of marketing, you know, channels and just the, the anything back from her community, you know, sometimes three or four seasons out and she heard no, but you know, heard crickets, um, because it's just a a very one directional thing. So, yeah, well, I'll um, say this. I think this is just a, a marketing thing that I've learned over the years. If you want feedback, you need to be very specific about the feedback that you want. So it's not, hey, if you like the show, tell a friend. It's, if you like the show, it would really mean the world to me if you told your neighbor, if you told your mom who hasn't listened to podcasts yet that this show is for her because she'll, she'll love it. And yes, I'm talking to you, like just being really clear about this. And um, I think that really helps. It, it gives people no excuse but to say, okay, that does apply to me. And I can really help this person out. I did that in my newsletter this past week. I've written a few times in my newsletter. I'd love to hear from you about this, but I've never been very serious about receiving feedback. And it can be really frustrating when you say, reply to this email if, uh, you know, let me know if, and that's not going to do anything because you need, you need more. Short of calling somebody out by their name, what I did this week was I said, hey, I want to highlight you. What is a podcast that you love? Reply to this email. Let me know. I'll feature it in next week's spotlight section. That gives people a reason to respond to me. And it gives me an excuse once they do respond to me to say, hey, thank you so much for replying. Any chance you're interested in giving me more feedback about my newsletter? And if they don't want to, great. They don't have to. Yeah. Feedback is so... I think it's so powerful for podcasters, A, because I mentioned that there's just not a lot, right? And so if you can get that, it really helps you shape what your content you know, turns into. So Ariel, this has been fantastic. And we're running up right here at the half hour mark. And, and I appreciate your your willingness to spend some time and to give back to, to the podcasting community. And uh, is there anything else that you wish people asked you more? Or is there anything else that hasn't been said that you think still should be said while we wrap up here? Yeah, I think um, I am lately on a big kick to help podcasters get better at using social media for their show to promote their show. And um, I would say if you are somebody who wants to learn more about how to effectively use social media and more importantly, how to not use social media, follow me on Twitter. I'm always giving tips about it. And I really want to make sure that you're not doing anything to turn off the tastemakers from listening to your podcast. I want to make sure that your podcast is getting out there to people. um, And there are some things that you should do. And there are definitely some things that you should not do in that effort. So just give me a follow and uh, I will interact with you very often. And I'm online all the time. So please feel free to DM me with any questions. Two two things. What's the handle? Where do they find you on Twitter? Yeah, that's a good question. It's Ari this and that. Ari this and that. And just side note, I'm not even on Twitter, uh, but I'm going to get on it after this conversation because I've heard so many people talk about the podcasting community that is on Twitter. It's fun. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I think it's a great place and I think there's a lot, uh, just a big opportunity. So anyways, guys, um, go find her. Ariel, can you give the handle for Twitter one more time? It's Ari this and that A-R-I this and that. On Twitter, the podcast is Earbuds Podcast Collective. The newsletter is Earbuds Podcast Collective. You will find the podcast within there. It's called Feedback with Earbuds. Feedback with Earbuds. And we'll have to have her come back again and talk about what all the cool things she's doing at Squadcast because we didn't even really talk a whole lot about that today. But um, squadcast.fm, they do 
what what is it that you guys do? I'd let you you could do a better job. Have you guys you guys a little bit, but you probably tell a better job of what you guys uh, can do. Remote recording. If you want to up your game when you're recording podcasts, we provide you a studio in the cloud, and so you can record amazing sounding podcasts that will up your game. Yeah, sound quality, guys, is so so important. And stop recording on Zoom because just stop. Let me give you a quick little tip: <laughs> just don't do it ever again. Um, and I'm not gonna argue. And go check out squadcast.fm and uh appreciate you guys hanging out with us whether you guys find us on linkedin or you listen to the podcast we appreciate your time and we will see you on the next episode of the myp show thanks for listening to this toolbox episode of the marketing your podcast show we know there are plenty of podcasts that you can be listening to and we're excited that you decided to join us today i would encourage you to go back and listen to the other toolbox episodes and find ones that are most relevant to your show if you have any requests for future shows, come and find me on LinkedIn. That's Hector, H-E-C-T-O-R, Santi Esteban, S-A-N-T-I-E-S-T-E-B-A-N, and connect with me there. And of course, if you enjoyed the show today or any of our other episodes, we'd be forever grateful if you decided to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast provider. We hope you're having an amazing day, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Marketing Your Podcast Show.